Good morning, everybody. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. If you're a guest with us, I especially want to welcome you and just say thanks for joining us here. And my hope for you is the same as it is for every single person who's here at present with us or if you're with us online, that's simply no matter where you find yourself in your faith today, that you would be able to take one step towards Jesus because that is what we are all about. And, and I'm, I'm so excited that you're here and I'm doubly excited that the air conditioning is working. So you, you, this is one of those, if you're not familiar with some church stuff, this is one of those amen moments where you could just write amen AC. Um, we had a theater production over in the middle school yesterday where it did not work. So there's nothing better than junior hires and their parents in a unconditioned gym. It's great. Um, you know, I, this is unfortunately, and maybe for some of you, you're thinking, fortunately, the last week in our What Made Him Different series and this series, I've just really enjoyed this. There has been some pretty radical ideas I know that we've been unpacking together as a church. And I've been fascinated, really, by how different messages that we've talked about and different topics have impacted different people, right? Different topics impacting different people. And it's largely because I think we all hear messages a little bit differently. Do you know what I mean? We, we all hear it a little bit differently, and it doesn't surprise me because this happens all the time in, in almost everything that we do. We experience, we, it's the same focus, but a very different experience. It's the same focus, but different experience. Um, uh, two years ago, I started, it, it, it was COVID time. You know when you try weird things? I tried to read poetry. It was a weird thing. Um, I, I was like, I'm in, I'm going to try this. And so uh, there's a guy in our church. Where's Mike at? Mike Ralph, where are you at? You hiding in the back somewhere? Okay, right over there. Oh, look at you can raise your hand. I called your name. They know you're here. Um, and so I know Mike is, is got like a super deep understanding of poetry. And I'm like, I need help. What do I do? And he's like, oh, I got the guy for you. And he got really excited. And he told me about one of his favorite poets, a guy named Pablo Neruda. And I was like, oh, he's got a pipe and a Fun, like I'm in and he's by the ocean. I could read this guy. So I got a book of love poems because I thought, oh, that might help my marriage in COVID. Like this, you know, this will be good. And he's a Chilean poet, a diplomat, a Nobel Prize winner. And I didn't get it. <laughs> I read it and I was like, I don't understand. Mike got to help me understand. He's like, what don't you understand? It's beautiful. It's, I was like, meh. I don't get it, right? I didn't get it. Same focus, completely different experience. Um, think about when you're listening to music and there's certain music that you have. You ever have those times when your parent has said to you at some point, I don't even understand what they're saying. Like, I don't even get this. What are you listening to? And you're sitting there thinking, this band just gets me. Like this, I could, they could have written this song for me. I, maybe that wasn't you. It was me. I grew up listening to, you know, metal and hip-hop, so it's like my parents definitely didn't understand it. Did you ever look at art and see how different someone else experiences that same piece of art? It's amazing how this happens. Same focus, different experience, and one of my favorite illustrations of this is actually from the show Parks and Rec. Anybody watch Parks and Rec? Um, such a fun show, and there's this character named Tom who is in this show who's just this, the most sarcastic, over-the-top, in everything he does character, and in this scene we're going to look at in a second, he gets hit with art, okay? He gets hit with art. No, no, it's not as good as the other one. I don't know what you mean by good. Neither do I. Just do another one. 
You know I have actual assignments that I have to finish for art school? Shut up and do more art for me. This one's racist. It's beautiful. I've looked at this for five hours now. I like the green one and the red circle right here. I'm tearing up, man. I love This is so awesome because it's like, it shapes. It shapes. But he's feeling something and there's a piece of art that's getting him and it's the same focus as everybody else. He experiences it differently. I will tell you, I see this as regularly as possible when it comes to how we read scripture and how we talk about Jesus. I know from some, this book that I hold in my hand is nothing but a confusing compilation of ancient fairy tales that you think weak people use as a crutch to get through their life. I, I know that. It's just shapes. But for some, and for me, when I look at this compilation of 66 different books put together in one narrative, I find an unbelievable amount of hope. I find strength. I find a foundation that I can stand on to live the rest of my life, not a crutch that I lean on, but a ground that I stand on. It's the same focus, but a very different experience. And I need to set that up for you because this is exactly what made Jesus different than the world around him. He, he looked at the world around him through a very different lens, and it impacted every decision that he made. Now, today, we would call this a worldview. This is our worldview, how we view the world around us and why things that happen. And you may not know this, but you have a worldview, and I have a worldview. Every one of us has a set of lenses that we interpret everything that happens and try to figure out why it did or didn't. Two people with different worldviews can look at the same exact thing and interpret it two different ways. For one, it's a lucky coincidence. For the other, thank you, Jesus, you're in control. Same thing, different focus. Does that make sense? Now, what happened with Jesus is that Jesus grew up in a Jewish family with Jewish values and a Jewish culture, but he was not Jewish-focused. What made Jesus different is that he was kingdom-focused. This is what made Jesus different, is that he was kingdom-focused. He understood, he loved, and he actually embraced his Jewish heritage and culture, but he was not focused on that being the identifying thing about him. His eyes, his message, they were always about another kingdom, something that was different. And if you have your Bibles today, whether it's a book of fairy tales for you or the very truth that you stand on like me, I would love for you to turn to the biography of Jesus written by Matthew, um, written by Matthew. And this is where we're going to be camping out today. And Matthew, as you're turning there, um, it'll be the first book in, in the New Testament. Matthew is, is this great book because this is one of his disciples who is following him. 
And this disciple that followed him was pretty unique because he was saturated in the Jewish culture, but he was a tax collector, which means he worked for the Roman government. So he understood all the traditions and all the values of the culture, but everybody in that culture hated him because he worked for the oppressors. So he didn't really fit in. He was pushed aside. And this man finds this unnatural amount of joy and hope in following Jesus. And he writes this biography that we read specifically with a Jewish lens to it. So there's some things that it's like, I don't understand. Why would he write this? I don't get it. Well, if you're not Jewish, you wouldn't get it. It wasn't written for you. It was written for them. So it's really important to keep that in mind. Now, you and I skip a lot of things in the Bible, okay? And I know you're like, no, I read it all. I understand. No, 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 we skip it. You know when you get to Matthew chapter one, if I were to say, let's read through that, there's this genealogy of things and you're thinking, I'm not reading that. Come on, how many have skipped it besides me? Yes, amen, there we are. If you're like, no, liar. Um, we all do, right? So-and-so, or if you're like, I didn't skip it. I just read the first and last names. Listen, it doesn't make any sense to us why this is in here because we don't really care about lineage and history of our families that much. But to a Jewish audience, this was crucial for them to understand who Jesus was. You and I won't start a book, a biography saying, let me tell you their family history. But for a Jewish culture, that's everything to know that this man had ties that mattered. As a matter of fact, what's wild about the biography of Jesus written by Matthew, since it's to a Jewish culture, you don't even get to his adult life and to the, the cool things that we talk about, the miracles and all these things. You don't even really get to that until the end of chapter three. I mean, his biography is filled with a story about his cousin. How many of you want your, your life stories to include your cousin? No, it includes you, but your family matters in this culture. And so actually the, the one story that we have with his cousin John is when Jesus gets baptized, right after he gets baptized, he finds himself being led into the desert for 40 days to be um, having uh, just really near the end of that time, this battle with the tempter. And he comes out of that time of prayer, fasting, and temptation. And, and this is what Matthew records in Matthew chapter 4. Verse 17, he says, from then on, okay, so we start from then on, from the moment he was baptized until when, until the end, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus had one message. He had one desire, one focus, and it was right here. Repent, repent, because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is near. And the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are two phrases that are used interchangeably. So you could use either here, but this is what Jesus says. And when he uses the word near, he's not just saying, it's like, you know, look for it in like two weeks or three weeks. He's saying this word is geographic. It's present. It's in front of you. It's near you like you're sitting near someone right now. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we started our series through this, and I know that. Um, and we don't really use this word kingdom often in our culture. But it was a regular part of this vocabulary for the Jewish culture. You see, there was a collective understanding that they all had. And they had a longing for this kingdom of heaven. What made Jesus different, though, was how he talked about the kingdom of heaven, how he proclaimed this message. This whole nation, like I said, they would have been talking about it. They would have been waiting for it. 
Now, if you're reading Isaiah with us as we soap together, and, and if you're not familiar at Crossbridge, when we soap, it's the way that we read scripture and you get these cards in the mail. Maybe you just toss them, maybe not, but this is just our pattern. And, and we're reading Isaiah right now. And there's so much destruction and anger in Isaiah like we're reading, right? I, I get it. It's, it's hard, but it's always because of sin. And scattered throughout that prophet of Isaiah is these little pockets of hope. These little pockets are you're like, oh, it's not always going to be destruction. There's something bigger and better on the other side. There's a new kingdom that God has that he's bringing. And the Jewish Bible, all of the, the, our Old Testament is filled with promises of a new kingdom that a Messiah will bring, that a Messiah will initiate. This Messiah, this deliverer, this rescuer is going to come and, and they're going to restore the world back to God's original design in Genesis 1 and 2, where everything was right, everything was whole. And in this kingdom, there's not going to be any more war, no more oppression, no more tears. There's, there's in this kingdom, it is going to be full of peace. It is going to be a kingdom of righteousness and love. It's going to be a kingdom that is overflowing with life with celebration, and with worship of the one true God. And this, this right here, is a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven. This is what the entire Jewish nation was longing for, and they're saying, you're talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's near, like we're going to get to this place. And when Jesus comes on the scene and he says, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near, people will listen to this news. They want to know this. They're leaning in. But how Jesus then proclaimed it from there, this is what drew everyone from all over the nation and outside that nation to him because they wanted to discover what he was talking about. Look at the next verse. It says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for... They fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Does this confuse anybody else? I mean, if we're really reading what this says, if you've grown up in church, we become familiar with this, and then usually some pastor, preacher, teacher tells us, like, drop your nets and go. Just forget everything and go right now. And it's like, who in the world is going to leave a job that they are good at to follow some random guy taking a, a beach walk. What, what, why would they do that? You'll actually see in a second. But notice what Jesus does here. He takes what they know, fishing, and he puts a new lens to it. You'll still fish, you'll just fish for people. He didn't ask them, listen, If you want to follow me, I need you to to know all that's in here. I need you to learn the the Bible. I want you to mature in your faith. I want you to... Nothing like this. He simply asked them to take what they knew and then look at the world around them with a different lens. I love this because I believe that each and every one of us, our lives have a much greater purpose than working, eating, sleeping, and Netflix. It's so much bigger But we are going to need a different lens, a kingdom-focused lens like the disciples had to live this out. 
Crossbridge, I, I, I see over our time together, especially as we've been reading the stories of Jesus and, and all the stuff in Scripture together, that many of you have put on new lenses, especially in this last year together. Your lenses look different. The way you see the world, I love hearing stories from so many of our small groups of people who are making big decisions because they're asking a different question. Not, is this what's best for me, but I wonder what God wants. And that's a different kind of question. And it's impacting your lives, your family life, your work life looks different. This morning, I want to highlight one story from our church, but not from an adult perspective from one of our teenagers, one of our seniors who's graduating this year in youth group. And seniors are in a unique spot because culturally the narrative is you need to get and do all the best that you can so you can get into the best college that you can get into so that you can get the best education and start living your best life. Like get it done and work hard to do it now where a kingdom focus might look a little bit different. It might start instead of which college do you want me to go by asking where do you want me to go? Sometimes I do believe God will lead our seniors to a college. And, and if God leads that way, you should go. But sometimes he points somewhere different. Just ask Caitlin. Let's watch. My name is Caitlin Duffy and I'm a senior in high school. Next year, instead of going straight to college like I always planned, I will be taking a gap year and going on World Race. World Race is a nine-month mission trip with a group of about 35 other teens traveling to Costa Rica, Romania, Eswatini, and South Africa to share the love of Jesus and to serve every tribe, nation, and tongue. I'm excited, nervous, but learning more and more every day that following God isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. In thinking about and praying about this trip, the enemy continually tried to peg me with the fear of how can you go? The more the enemy tried to overwhelm me with the fear of leaving behind my friends, comfort, and family, the more I heard the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit say, how can you not go? Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20 says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus has called us to go and to tell the world about his love, the love that came down, died on a cross for our sins, and rose again, conquering sin and the sting and the power of death. My life has been completely transformed by his love, and I cannot help but share it with the world. I am learning that nothing that I leave behind to follow Jesus compares to what I gain in him. To make this trip possible, I would love your help in two ways. Number one, I would love prayer for me, my team, and the people that we are visiting prayer for God's will to be done and for his kingdom to grow like never before. And the second way I would love your help is through fundraising. I have to raise $15,800 to make this trip possible, and I would be so grateful if you could donate. Any amount truly makes a difference. If you do feel called to donate, you can click the link in the description or go to caitlinduffy.worldrace.org. This link will also allow you to read my blogs and stay updated as I prepare and as I go on this trip. Thank you so much for your prayers and for your donations as I follow Jesus. I'm super excited to keep everyone updated and to see all that the Lord does in and through me on this trip. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Amen. 
I know you're probably thinking like, why, what, how, like that's a, go to college, not, not go around the world. And there's questions. And so, Caitlin, can I ask you a couple questions? Would you welcome Caitlin Duffy up? I know, um, I know there's a lot of pressure because mm -hmm. uh, we had talked about this already that uh, you know, friends around you are all picking colleges and talking about these majors, which will all change anyway. Um, and, and they have plans that they think they should be doing. And, and for some of them, that's good, right? But my question for you is what in the world would prompt you? Like what would prompt you to go in a different direction than everybody around you? Yeah, um, so basically I planned to go to college, like I said in the video, like I was looking for colleges, but at the same time I was looking for colleges, I was praying for God to send me. Honestly, I was looking more for like a summer trip, like a one or two week, and then right as I was praying for that and looking into trips, like I came across a nine-month trip, and I felt immediately like God called me to that, and through like prayer and t talking to friends and family about it, I just felt confirmation, and so within like that same week I applied, got accepted, and decided no to college and instead to follow God where he was calling me. I, that's, that's, I mean, you're sitting there saying, all right, for, you know, a week, two weeks, all right, I can give that up. Mm -hmm. Nine months. Huh. <laughs> and yeah. every time it seems that you've chosen to say yes to God, the plans on what you expect it's going to be have changed mm -hmm. each time. Yeah. Um, you're going to be gone now for nine months and you leave when? I leave August 27th. Okay. So at the end of August and then where are you going? Um, I'm going to Guatemala, Romania, Eswatini, and South Africa. Okay. Um, how many of you know where all four of those <laughs> countries are around the world? Okay, like five or six of you. Um, did you know where they all were? No. <laughs> okay. I definitely had to look them up, and I still am researching each country because I've never been to any of them before. Have you been outside the United States? Um, I've been to Canada and to Bermuda for like on a cruise, so I only was there for a few Canada hours. Canada on a cruise? It's no, not oh, okay. Canada, okay. Bermuda on a cruise. Um, now, <laughs> this nine months, you're traveling to four different countries. I know Eswatini and, and South Africa are like right next yeah, to each other. So close. if you're like, that's the one you don't know, it's, it's almost as like, it's like the Swedesboro of Swedesboro Woolwich, okay? <laughs> um, you know, it's the donut hole. Um, it's right there. Mm -hmm. You're going, tell me what, the, give me one or two things that really excite you and maybe one or two things that you're shaking about right now. <laughs> I'm really excited to meet people and to spend like nine months with about 40 other teenagers who are just as passionate for sharing the gospel as I am. And I'm also super excited to, um, to share the gospel across sea, overseas. I think that's really cool. And to just um, be involved in new cultures that I've never experienced before and meet new people and travel the world. I'm super excited for that. And I think the most thing that I'm nervous about is just leaving behind everything I've ever you know, I've been in high school and middle school and just going to school every day in my life, and that's just been my life. And so to just up and leave the country for nine months is a little bit scary, but I'm excited. Okay, yeah, I, that's, that's a huge step. I, yeah. I, and I want to just commend you for saying yes to God in that, um, because it's not easy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's many people who are here watching online or present that have never even been outside this country. And are looking saying why in the world would you do this when you're wasting time to get into college to do the and it's it's just a different question instead of do I go to college it's like sure you, you I know you're looking at colleges but it really came when but that's not now God right. said something else and you said yes if someone here or online wanted to ha you know follow up with you say I, I have mm -hmm. questions uh, why would you like uh, what's what's going through your brain if they were gonna try to convince you out of it or wanted to encourage you 
how could they contact you? Um, yeah, you can go to my website. Um, it's through the World Race Organization where I can where I write blogs about me preparing for the trip and also that's how you can stay updated while I'm on the trip. I'll be writing about it, um, my experiences, and that's um, caitlinduffy.theworldrace.org. Um, and you can also come up to me after service or my family and I have these cards with my QR code and also just the countries I'm going to um, that where you can just um, take this home and go use the QR code to get to my website also. Or you can plan a date with me, uh, schedule something where I can talk to you more about the trip. I'd love to talk about it. Oh, that's awesome. And, and I like, if you're like, wait, I don't know where the countries are, there's a star on each <laughs> one for you, okay? So you can know where it is. Mm -hmm. Go grab one of these. Um, and what a privilege as a church to, to send you, to bless you. And so is it okay if we pray over you yeah, now? Sure. And I'm sure we'll pray before you go as well. Um, would you, Crossbridge, would you join me in praying for Caitlin? Would you just stand with me? Is it okay if I put my hand on yeah. your shoulder to pray for you? Jesus, I thank you that, that you give us the privilege of being conformed to your image for the sake of others, and you looked at this world differently because it was about your kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it wasn't about what you could accomplish next, but it was about the kingdom of heaven. It was a different lens. And so, God, I thank you that you've given Caitlin a, a, a different question to ask, is this what God wants for me now? And I thank you for her, yes. And we just affirm that in her. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release her to minister well, that you would be with her, that you would bring an absurd amount of peace to her parents in this moment, as they're probably freaking out more than she is that there is an unbelievable amount of trust as a kingdom-minded family to send your daughter around the world, but it's not about what we want, it's about what you want. And so, Lord, we just ask that your kingdom would come, that the gospel would be proclaimed through words, through actions, through listening, and that it would expand in the name of Jesus. Would you use Caitlin and this team for your glory and your glory alone? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, Jesus had a kingdom focus. He walked along the side, the Sea of Galilee, invited a bunch of fishermen, follow me. He doesn't try to change who they are, does he? He doesn't try to change who they are in this world. Instead, he aims to change how they live as part of this world. Will their focus be on fish that they could fit in their boat, or will it be on how many people they can rescue from the drowning in the lies of this world? You see, the story continues in verse 23, where it says that Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing what? The good news about the kingdom. Matthew's staying pretty consistent in what Jesus is talking about, isn't he? What he's proclaiming. Jesus is focused on proclaiming the good news about the kingdom. And what's this good news? He just told us in verse 17, what's the good news? It's that the kingdom of heaven is near, that it's happening right in front of them. Please, if you follow Jesus, I hope and I pray that when we talk about Jesus, it is good news to people. It's so easy to hate, to shame, and to guilt people. And the synagogues of Jesus' time were filled with this. I think churches today are filled with this too. But this isn't what Jesus does, is it? 
He absolutely calls people to repentance of their sins because he knows that sin, anything, when I say sin, is that does not line up with anything that, that God would think, say, do, you know, that, that anything that displeases him that doesn't line up with loving God and loving people like Jesus did. Jesus knows that sin, when it, we don't repent of it, it ruins our lives. It destroys us from the inside out. And Jesus has good news that life doesn't have to be this way, that there is freedom and forgiveness. And when you carry the good news of forgiveness, of freedom, of restoration, don't you think that's going to change the world and the way that you see it? Don't you think that's going to impact how you view every person that you come in contact with? This was the lens that Jesus had, the lens that he passed on to his disciples and that he has given to us. This is our lens. And he didn't just have this lens, though. The verse continues with how this lens was lived out. Verse 23 says, Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. What made Jesus different was how he proclaimed. And it was firstly through teaching and through announcing. And then it was through healing. These were the two ways that he proclaimed. And Matthew then does an amazing job of showing us. When chapter 4 ends right there, if you have the Gospel of Matthew open, the good news of Jesus in Matthew, if your Bible writes Jesus' words in red letters like mine does, or if your app it puts it in red, you will look in chapters 5, 6, and 7, and nowhere will you find as much red compacted together. It's all put in the same exact spot. We have a phrase um, or a title for these three chapters. What are they? Yeah, we call this the Sermon on the Mount. With The Sermon on the Mount. Um, and this is exactly what Jesus was doing here. He was teaching and announcing everywhere that he went. These chapters that we have right here are filled with the good news about the kingdom of heaven. This is Matthew's summary of everything that Jesus had talked about put into one spot. It, this is the lens. This is the worldview that Jesus had. This was the ethic that he chose and called us to live out in our lives. And like we talked about in week two, his teaching was so much different than anyone around him because he used poems, he used simple stories, he used language that anyone and everyone could understand if they had ears to listen. He didn't teach so that we could fill our heads with knowledge because that's not what brings hope, is it? Everything that he taught and every story that he told was a picture of what the kingdom of heaven was to look like and what each of us as his followers and citizens of heaven should live like. All of this forced his listeners to reflect on their lives, look at their hearts, and ask the question, do I line up? with kingdom values? Do I see the world with a kingdom focus? And the problem was, and the problem is, is that anyone who is set on building their own kingdom with themselves on the throne of their life, these teachings of Jesus will do nothing but frustrate you. I know this frustration very well personally because every time I work through these chapters, 
they force me off my throne that I like to sit on and they force me to my knees because I have so much still to learn about a kingdom focus. I, I read through it again this week and for the umpteenth time, it destroyed me again because I like my throne. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus says, but I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being thrown before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. You see, the kingdom-focused life brings blessings and, cur blessings and peace, not curses. He continues in verse 28, and he says, But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. A kingdom-focused life is going to honor the covenant of marriage and all of God's creation. In verse 39, but, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek. A kingdom-focused life is going to give up the right to defend myself. In verse 44, he goes on to say, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven because a kingdom-focused life chooses enemy love and nonviolence. And in the next chapter, in verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. A kingdom-focused life will radically forgive people. And I need to do this because I have been radically forgiven. In verse 19, he says, don't store it for treasures here on earth where moths and eat them up and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Because a kingdom-focused life isn't about how much I can acquire and how much I can save. It's about a life of generosity. In chapter 7, do not judge others and you will not be judged. A kingdom-focused life tries to see the best in others. In verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gates are wide for the many who choose that way. Jimmy, a kingdom-focused life will not be easy to live and it will absolutely look different than a majority of the people around you. In verse 20, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions because a kingdom-focused life should be seen by others through what I do. This is, this is just this time reading it through, and I know all the other verses that are in here because I've been convicted of those at different times. Crossbridge, based on these teachings, I need to tell you I have a long way to go to grow in my kingdom focus, and maybe you too do too. But before you feel judged or you feel shamed, look at how a majority of the crowds respond to these types of teachings that you're thinking, I don't like any of that. <laughs> in, in verse 28, of verse, chapter 7, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the other teachers, their teachers of the religious law. I am sure that the teachers of Jesus listening right now were pissed. They were, because none, none of them would have looked at the kingdom the way that Jesus just did, and none of them would have wanted to replace the power that they held with the servanthood that Jesus was calling them. 
But the crowd around was amazed. And for those willing to repent, there was an invitation to be part of a kingdom. You know what kind of kingdom? A kingdom where there is no war, there is no oppression, there is no tears. A kingdom where that's full of peace, full of righteousness, full of love. A kingdom that is overflowing with life, celebration, and worship of the one true God. And the kingdom of heaven that they've all been waiting for was near, directly in front of them. This is the good news that Jesus said. And at Crossbridge, we will never, ever, ever stop proclaiming the good news of Jesus. The good news that it doesn't, what Jesus says here, it is convicting. I feel that. I know that. But it's not to shame us. It's inviting us into being a citizen right now here on earth and knowing this for the blessing of the people around us. For the blessing of not carrying this guilt and this shame that the enemy wants to hold us to. This is the good news. And it's not just so that we know it because in the very next chapter, we've got all these spots of teachings from Jesus. This is his summary. And then what's the very next thing we learn is he didn't just proclaim it and he didn't just teach it. He proclaimed it through healing because this was crucial to how Jesus proclaimed the good news. The very next verse in chapter one, it says, large crowds followed Jesus. And as they came down the mountainside, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Jesus wasn't just talking about these teachings. He was living them out, these kingdom values, in real time because he had compassion on those who were hurting and pushed aside. This is what the kingdom of heaven is all about, restoring humanity and restoring the earth to what God has intended. When Jesus was going from town to town, just like Matthew told us in, in chapter 4, verse 23, wherever he went, when there were demon-possessed people, epileptic people, paralyzed people, he healed them all. Last week we talked about how as a church, we don't believe any of this has changed. We believe that Jesus still does this today through the church. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, these things still happen. When Jesus sent his disciples out to proclaim the good news, they didn't just call people to repentance and tell them they're the worst. Instead, he, they were healed through the power of the Holy Spirit and these disciples. The sick, they, they healed the sick. They cast out demons through the power of the Holy Spirit. This was what they did. And I know that this makes some people uncomfortable. I, I talked to you this week and I know that it shook things up, but we cannot ignore that this was a huge part of Jesus's ministry. And he did not come across people who were sick and were hurting and just say, I wish you well. Because the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom focus, he saw an opportunity for the kingdom of heaven to come right now, right here in their presence. And this is what made him different. It's what made his disciples different. And this is what will make us different. I want to tell you that what we've been reading, what we've been talking about at Crossbridge, we have seen these miracles and this deliverance and this teaching happening. In the last six months of our church, I got to tell you, the kingdom of heaven has been showing up in miraculous ways to bring freedom. We have seen individuals healed from clinical depression, anxiety, chronic headaches, back injuries, so many more different physical and mental illnesses that have happening. It's unbelievable. We've seen God speaking to people through dreams, through visions, through prophetic words, and, and giving them wisdom to help love people who are around them, not shame them. 
bringing hope. And, and even last week, after we talked about deliverance, and, and, and it's like, oh, really? Yes, absolutely. People reached out. Someone reached out immediately. It was like, I need help. Reaching out immediately, and here we walked through this. And, and I need to tell you, we saw the kingdom of heaven come as people were delivered from demons and filled with the Holy Spirit and a joy that impacted every single person around them. This is amazing. This is the kingdom of heaven come right here. Amen? This is worth being a part of instead of going, I don't know about this. If you're not cool with that, I love you and you're missing out. And it, this is where we are going as a church is to lean into the kingdom of heaven here right now. If you're like, I'm out, I will help you find a community that will continue to teach Jesus because that's important. Maybe they won't go there, but I will tell you, you will miss the freedom that it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. What a privilege to be part of a church that will not just teach for knowledge, but believes that what Jesus says is true and wants to do all that we can to live and look like Jesus. Jesus was all about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth because he is present, he is near, he is in us, and where we go as citizens, the kingdom of heaven is. And so, as we close this morning, I simply want to ask this, the question of, could you imagine what it would look like if we had a kingdom focus as a church? If our lens looked different and we just asked different questions, how different would work look when we went? Instead of this horrible place, it's an opportunity. Our schools become a mission field, not a jail. What would it look like if we could pray the prayers of Jesus in Matthew 26, verse 39, 41, 42, where he says to his father, I don't want this but it's not about my will in this moment, it's about your will. What would it look like to bring the good news like Jesus did to our home, in our church, even to the point of giving up our life like he did for us? As a follower of Jesus, what makes you different? When you open your mouth, is it good news? When you pray and you read scripture, what, what does it tell you about your heart and how you view the people around you? Who's on the throne of your kingdom? Would you pray with me as Becky comes to lead us in communion this morning? Jesus, I am grateful for the good news that the kingdom of heaven is near, that you have resurrected from the dead and sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us to learn, to love. Would you continue, Holy Spirit, to convict us to get off the throne and would you put those lenses of seeing the kingdom come around us that they would not be inconveniences but opportunities in front of us that we step into. And even when it makes us uncomfortable, we would not rush what you were doing because you were never running anywhere. May we not rush what you're doing, but never leave an opportunity behind. May your kingdom come and your will be done in Jesus' name.